Hello and welcome to another episode of The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. My name's Tori Walker and it's great to have you here with me. You know those people who are really interesting with their ideas? They love ideas, love researching new ideas, reading books, mulling over what they think of the ideas that are presented and then talking about their ideas enthusiastically. Well, my next guest, Simone Richardson, is definitely one of those people. She lives in far north Queensland in Cairns, and recently I went up to Townsville on a family holiday and we caught up for a chat. Simone is quite unique. She's very gifted. You might sing some of her songs in your church or you might have read some articles that she's written for various publications. Uh, but Simone is talented, not afraid to put her talents to use for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, she's enthusiastic. She's always stimulating to spend time with. She's brave with her ideas and she's also funny, kind and honest. I hope you enjoy listening in to the conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. Simone Richardson, you are so in the moment and I love it. That's what I love spending time with you. We always end up talking about what you are enthusiastic about and interested in and thinking lots about. Um, and then next time we meet, it'll be something completely different. But for now, we're going to start with the question that I start with for most people, which is how did you become a Christian? Yeah, I um, was in high school at the time and um, I kind of, my grandparents were associated with a uh, uniting church and I went along to that quite often, but I certainly wasn't a Christian and I, I knew that. Um, I went to a scripture union camp when I was in year nine and was converted um, there. We did a, um, a set of studies on John Chapman's book, A Fresh Start. And I remember just having this real sense of, man, this is this is true, and this is something that I, I really, I really have to respond to, and I, I, I know what I, I know what I need to do um, now. So that was I was um, I was 13 then, and I came back from that camp, and I was confirmed shortly after that. Oh, we actually put our drinks order in. I don't, do you want any food? No, no. we're right. Thank okay. you. Menus. Yeah, thanks. Tough. Thank you. Do we want to start all over again? No, I'll just edit it. Keep going. So you can go from when you were 13. So I was 13 then and I, um, yeah, I, I came back home after that and I was confirmed as a member of my church. So I recognised that it wasn't a church that I was going to hear a lot more of the gospel from. So I sort of... Um, I went on a number of camps in the years after that and kind of uh, hung on until I got to uni and um, sort of really, I guess, started growing at that point and learning learning about the Bible then. Yeah. And like, I just think sometimes with uni ministry, if people have come from strong churches, they get there and join the group and think everybody else has come from a strong church too. But actually, the reality is for a lot of people in the Christian group at uni, well, I did feel like I was very behind and had a lot of catching up to, to do. I had been reading Bible and I remember um, I bought some Bible reading notes from one of the camps that I went on. I'd been trying to do my quiet time, but it was really hard, so I felt like a bit of a failure and I, did, I didn't understand. I was trying to read Isaiah and I didn't understand what it was talking about. And um, So I guess I thought that when I went to uni, all these people from Christian families knew so much more than I did and understood all this stuff and they, they probably didn't, yeah. but it, it was good motivation for me to, to learn a lot and make the most of every opportunity I had to um, to hear the Bible taught. Yeah, awesome. And 
so you studied music or education? I did an arts degree. <laughs> I didn't know you then. I did an arts degree, which was a very good use of time, and I did um, maths, music, and English in my arts degree, and then I did a dip ed afterwards. Fabulous. teacher. Now I'm really keen to talk to you about your writing because I know you do write a lot and I know some of it is in the past and you don't want to talk about it because it's so yesterday but um, yeah you have written a lot. Um, so kids songs, like where, yeah where did you start with your writing? Did you start with songs or articles? Yeah or? I, I wrote, um, I mean doing, doing music and English at uni, I, I mean we had to write music all, all the time at uni so that wasn't something um, that was sort of ever a kind of a big barrier to me but I remember thinking that oh, people shouldn't write Christian songs when they're young because really what would we know it's not just about having good theology it's about actually having something to say um, and I and I yeah I, I hated every congregational song we sang and um, we were at my husband Andrew is a minister and a couple of years uh, into our church tea yeah Thanks. 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 Thank Perfect. You. Um, my husband Andrew is a minister, and um, we've been at church for a couple of years, and I've been complaining about the songs that were in our song folders. And um, after a while, he said, "You know what? You should just stop complaining and you write something." And I had a go, and um, yeah, I wrote a little lyric called How Can This Be? And I had a tune for it, but I never really liked the tune very much. So I sent it off to Philip Percival, and, and he liked it, and he wrote a, a better tune, and it, yeah, it, it got out there. Yeah. And I wrote some kids' songs as well, but that was, the kids' songs that I wrote were generally um, for my playgroup and um, for kids' talks in church and just for my own for my own kids, so that was that was quite a natural thing for a, a parent parent to do. Yeah, your kids' songs are good though. Like your um, the song I know I've told you this, but um, the one about the blind man, uh, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, and oh, I just it was so simple and so beautiful, but it actually really did just hit me with the very very main point of that whole story that that guy had nothing. Like there was just no way at all that he could get his sight or be saved from his illness unless Jesus had mercy on him. Yeah, so I had, had. That was that was actually a really fun writing experience. That one. I um, went down to Sydney for uh, like 24 hours, and I stayed with um, Michael and Julie Morrow. Yep. And on the that evening, I just got off a plane, and Michael pulled out a whiteboard, and we basically had to write a, a kids album in in 24 hours and um, anyway we wrote up on the board all that we had and put stars next to those that were okay and those that needed some work and and anyway um, then all of his family I think it was his family the next day um, descended and they were all there it was a public holiday or something and there's people everywhere and um, we had a lot of work to do and it was a very small like two bedroom unit and um, basically I was handing him lyrics and he was sitting at the piano writing tunes for them and then he would finish 
and then I would give him another one and he had headphones on because there was just too much noise, noise everywhere. It was, anyway, I gave him the um, Bartimaeus lyric and he wrote just the tune that suited it so perfectly. And we both kind of said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we want. That's yeah. good. Uh, so it was just a nice moment of that. It, there is, when you, when you co-write, as I do almost all the time, there's a, uh, something really sweet that happens when your tune man gives you exactly the tune that you wanted. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, that's, it's happened a few times. Uh, yeah, and that, that was a yeah. nice one. So that one, can people still buy it, that album, that kids' album? Yeah, you can probably download it from the EMU. It's called um, Bartimaeus, Blind Bartimaeus. Oh, the actual whole album is. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh. That album's called, what's that one called? J is for Jesus. Mm. Yep. And so all your music writing has been done through Through EMU. EMU. Yep. Yeah. And so you sometimes write the... Um, the songs as well as the lyrics or um, the mainly? tunes yeah. um, for, for kids there are some of my tunes yeah. some of my tunes out there um, I think my tunes are okay but um, I think that for a tune to really go off you want it to be you want it to be more than okay yeah. and um, there's there's a couple of tunes that I've written that I really like that I think do have do have something sweet um, but I'm I would much rather have somebody else have their name on it with a tune that's just just a bit more magic yeah. uh, than mine. So you're usually the words mm. and others are the tunes. Yeah. And so talk us through the process of writing a song. How do you oh. go about it? Like, say, an adult song. Yeah, an adult song. I guess you've got to have something to say. You've got to have... I I think increasingly, as I get older, I've got no desire to write a song that doesn't need to be written. So if I've got... If I've got nothing new to say, no no new, fresh way of saying something that is going to build up God's people, I've got no... No, I've got no time for it. So there's a lot of songs that are that are kind of pleasant to sing, but they don't do anything that that a dozen other songs don't do. So I, I guess I don't want to write those. I don't want to write those songs. So I'd rather these days I would rather write nothing than write something that doesn't need to be written. Um, so I guess I've got to have something. I've got to have something to say. Yep. Um, and and so is that normally like you notice that there's an idea that's consistently missing in songs we sing and no, it doesn't really work like that okay um so one of my favorite songs that 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 we've written um grace awaiting me i had been listening to a sermon a john dixon sermon actually um it was about the thief on the cross and he had um a really powerful um illustration about a guy on death row writing back to his mother and saying that he prays that there'll be there'll be grace awaiting him in the next life that being denied to him rightly in this life. So that idea of of grace that's to come in the future, that there's more um, God is good to us now, but I guess in the in the when we're when we're facing death and when we're facing yeah, when we're we're standing before God, that we know that there's that there's that's not something we have to fear. That we there's grace to look forward to, grace grace now, but grace then as well. Um, so that's where that's where that came from. 
and I, I guess I had that I had that phrase and I, I wrote the thief on the cross verse and that kind of grew from there. Another one that Rob Smith has just written a tune for um, that I think is in the studio at the moment um, is one about um, it's kind of about how death is inevitable in this world. It's, death, death isn't good but I don't want to live forever with my body the way it is now and it's actually it's actually right is it the hymn of the middle aged <laughs> something something like that i think we're just i guess realizing that our bodies are falling apart i guess i guess the the yeah when you do get into your 40s you realize that the direction that my fitness is going the direction that my my bones are going imagine if that we had to live forever like this or we're just our bodies are decaying before us. Imagine in 150 years. It, this is not. This is not fun. When we're in this, um, when we're in these bodies, we do actually need to die. And I guess with our, with our, our sinfulness the way it is now, death is actually something that limits the harm that we can do. I have to die because my pride. Imagine, imagine what I would be capable of if I didn't have sort of death awaiting me, I, I, I could be a real tyrant. I could do real damage. So I, I've written a song that's hopefully coming out soon that's about the fact that in this form, I, I don't want to live forever like this. I actually need a new body. I actually need a new creation. Yeah. Nice. So you get the idea and then you go and drink copious amounts of tea and write. Is it, is it basically poems or are you thinking of tunes as well? I'm not thinking tunes. I'm thinking syllable structures. Okay. So um, good old iambic da-dum, 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 that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I'm thinking syllable patterns. I'm thinking, oh, I want to have one that's 8888 or maybe 86. So eight syllables in the first line, six in the second. That's the amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. Mm-hmm. That, so I, I'm thinking I'm ah, thinking so the words have to have that kind of the second syllable is the main one. Yeah, whatever, but English that. works very yeah. naturally yeah. Um, in iambic beats. Yeah. Uh, so you want to you, you would never want your tune man or your tune woman to set it da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum. You know that that they don't do that. But yeah. if it uses that basic meter, yeah. you know that what they what they uh-huh. do yeah. with that um, is going to it's going to sound balanced and nice. Yep. So I okay, think I, I think in meter, but I, I I don't really start there. But I know that it has to fit into a metrical form. Yep. Um, once I've done a couple of lines, you kind of see what it's sort of starting to to, to sound like. Um, and you're after some you're after some fresh a fresh way of expressing something. Um, some, yeah, some, all the kind of literary stuff that kids learn about in primary school, alliteration, <laughs> metaphors, all of, all of that. But that's to make the language, um, the alliteration, those kind of sound things, make your make your language sound musical. So I want my lyric to I, I want my lyric to sing on the page without a tune. So it has to has to have um, it has to have something without a tune. And if it doesn't. Well, then I don't think a tune is going to make it a song that's worth singing. 
And so how many hours would it take you to go from idea That's to not a question okay. that should be asked. <laughs> because it's too many? Far too many. And, okay. and uh, far, far too many. And so it might take you, you might work for 15 hours on a lyric yeah. um, and the lyric might go nowhere. Yeah. In fact, it probably will go nowhere. So As it's not a that whole thing might take fifteen hours. Yeah, and then, and then, then you it send it off, and it, it never never gets yeah. anywhere. Uh, that's that's normal. You've got to assume you've got to assume that it needs to be an end in itself. Like mm. if you're if you're writing in order to get a song onto a CD, mm. you're probably going to be disappointed. Mm. And then for every song that goes on a CD, might might not get sung anyway. You have mm. to actually find. Um, find joy and meaning in in the process. Mm. So the process. So you're happy when you've crafted a good lyric. That's satisfying to you. Yeah. Then, yeah. And then if it makes it onto an album and it gets a tune that you're happy with, um, you know, it, it's it's good that it makes it onto an album, but it's much better if people actually sing it. Is that kind of oh, your yeah, end goal? Yeah. But I guess my my aim is to express the idea that I want. To have expressed, yeah. That's um, and if I can express it well and have this thing that I'm thinking um, be in visible form in front of me, then that's a satisfying okay. that's a satisfying thing. Um, then anything else from that, I guess, is a bonus. So the next step is for it to have a tune yep. that I like. So I might send it to Philip Percival, and after four or five, six months, I might get a tune back um, and. He might have, in order to, to make a tune that does what he wants it to do, he might have completely smashed apart my metrical pattern, um, which I curse him for. <laughs> and then I start rewriting again. And, um, yeah, so that's just that's just the process, though. Yeah. And um, imagine, I, I think of a piece of pottery that's been thrown onto the floor and I see if I can put it back together in a different shape and make something more lovely yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Thank you for explaining all that because I'm not a writer and not a songwriter and Can I tell I you I discovered known. I discovered prose a couple of years ago. So Yes. Um, and that has been kind of addictive because it is so much easier. Oh my goodness. So yeah, much yeah. easier to write prose. Yes. So what kind of prose have you been writing? Oh, the last few years I've written some short stories which have been loads and loads of fun. Um, had one of them published, and I've, I've got a pile more that I'm wondering what to do with. Um, and I've written some prayers, though prayers aren't quite prose, they're kind of somewhere in between. Yeah, now tell me about, I know it's, you know, so last year, Simone, but tell me, I think your prayers are interesting that you've written and helpful, like why did you write them? I think maybe we try, praying is, praying is really hard, and especially when you don't feel like praying, um, you should pray anyway, but we, we make it hard for ourselves by having to make up the words and having, like, our, our piety is that it's not authentic unless we've made up the words ourselves on the spot. Um, I think that's pretty unhelpful. So I thought I would write some personal prayers and um, that could be used by whoever. So I've written, you know, personal prayer of, of, of repentance and, and one for myself when I'm tempted and prayers for friends and 
prayers for friends in ministry and that, that kind of that kind of thing. So, um, and did you use them yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it actually, just the again for me, I guess getting a form of words onto a page that says what I what I want to say. Is a satisfying is a satisfying thing that I've, I've crafted. It, it sounds strange that I would talk about prayer in this way, but I think it's partly a writer thing that I've I've actually I've actually expressed to God what I what I want to say, and that's um, that's, that's a good thing. So I've, they're they're up online somewhere. I'm sure you can. I'll I'll, find, I'll them. find a link to them, and if people are interested, they can look. And so they're just free. They're just people yeah. can download yeah, yeah. them and just use them for their yeah. own edification. Are they a little bit like um, the prayers in the Anglican prayer book, the daily uh, prayers, but they, more, more modern and they, more specific? I, I guess they are personal. So it's it uses pronouns of I and me and and my because they're meant to be they're meant to be individual prayers so you could certainly change them corporate them up and use them in church if you wanted to but I guess their their tone is their tone is more intimate I I think Um, and anybody who is familiar with my writing will know that they do sound a little bit like me Um, so my my turn of phrase um, but certainly, I, I know some people have printed them out to use. Um, but it, it, you know, it's another thing that I think we want to have a few things in our few tools in our belt for for praying, just because it, it's hard. This might be something that's useful. Yeah, and it might be useful for a time. Yeah, and yeah. not for a time. Yeah, whatever. totally. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. And I know you also um, put quite a bit of work into writing articles when you are highly offended or highly um, oh, look, stimulated to think about an issue. My, probably my favourite form of writing, um, I'll confess, is the rant. <laughs> um, and as a, as a friend said, I write some of my best stuff when I'm angry. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> but the trick is to not publish when you're angry, yep. to, um, to to leave it sit in your fiery, fiery piece and then um, rework it. I feel for you, the fieriness, it gets you like you're up all your energy is just like pulling in everything to just one something I had um, I've had some some stuff in secular secular media and stuff one 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 piece I really enjoyed writing was a a rant the Guardian published it a couple of years ago about the painfulness of uh, of academic awards evenings um, and that kind of you know it's just speech night and and well, you don't even a child on the stage as a teacher. Oh no, no, I don't go. I don't go as a teacher. Really? My goodness, it's terrible. Well, out of that, I'm a primary school teacher, so it's yeah. not such a big deal. But oh no, my uh, high school boys. We when my husband and I get the invitations, like oh man, they've got an award again. We have to we have to go and and we'll kind of draw straws to see whose turn it is and it's it's just terrible so anyway one particularly fun piece of writing was a a a long rant about that yeah i'm sure you can look it up online though i don't publish things like that under my um i, I publish under my maiden name okay things like that but i'm, I'm sure it can be found <laughs> so the writing then the articles that you do publish under your own name, um, where do you get them published? Like I'm thinking of, you know, like current things. So there was the um, Twitter handle, what Christian? Yeah, so I've been, I've, um, 
I've, I've had some stuff in Eternity lately. I love writing for Eternity. Um, it's got a really big, broad audience. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's that's a good, um, good platform. I guess um, I, I like writing things because it clarifies my own ideas. I remember um, my mother taught me to write when I was in high school and I would say, oh, mum, I, I know what I'm going to say, I just haven't said it yet. And mum would say, you don't have a clue, you, 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 you don't understand it. Until you've written it, you don't understand it. So don't tell me that you do when you've just got to write it down. Um, so I, I think that the um, writing writing is actually good for clarifying thoughts and um, really working things out. Mm. And you're not afraid that your opinions might change later down the track? Because I think that's what would scare me about being so out there and so opinionated on a particular issue. What if, what if someone came and said, oh, how about this? And you're like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure that my writing, I would, I would hope that it, yeah, it comes across as opinionated, but I would, I would hate to think that anything that I write is closing, the, closing down the conversation. I don't think that's... Oh, no, I don't mean I, that. I mean, yeah. personally. Um, I, think, I think we've got to think that our opinions are going to change. Oh, if, we are, if we are reading the Bible, um, the most dangerous thing, I think, for us to have is set opinions. Oh, I agree, but I think it's lovely that you don't care what people think of you, obviously. That, you know, if they disagree with you, you're like, yeah. water off a duck's back. I've been, um, I've been listening uh, and reading up um, quite a lot of um, sort of psychology, moral psychology and stuff um, Here we go. lately. This Listeners, is, this is the current pet interest I knew to get is, in here somewhere. Oh, it's totally got to. <laughs> so um, I'm interested in something that's called dual process cognition, dual process theory. And this so, is not part of a computer. Okay, stick with us. Come on, Simone. So the thought is, so a number of a, a number of um, psychologists and philosophers and stuff have been have been talking about this. It's kind of like we've got two systems of, of, of thinking. Um, one of them is sort of the fast thinking, which is more intuitive. We just kind of gut reactions. We just decide. We just decide things. And then you've got the slower, rational thinking, which is system two. Um, now, the, I think the real insight for me is that we think that we are doing the rational thinking, but mostly we're not. Our brains are really, really lazy. And as much as possible, we will stick to the easier uh, things, which basically means that we'll make decisions um, based on what we already think, and we'll use our, our rationality and our reason just to rubber stamp what we already think. Um, there's been a lot of research into that because changing our opinions is actually really costly. Often our, um, our acceptance in our social group is um, there, there are some things that we can't question. Our, this, my, my peer group has this opinion and I, I, we know intuitively that to change our opinion on something is a socially unacceptable thing to do. We've got a lot to lose, and so we don't do it. But I think when we come to the Bible, we have to say, 
I, I, I'm open. I'm open to change. I'm not looking. When I look at this passage, I'm not looking to rubber stamp the opinions that I already have. The opinions of my in group, of my, the opinions of my 21 year old self. Because often we decide what we think when we're when we're at uni or, or just after around that time, and we decide that those things aren't aren't up for grabs for better or for worse. Well, I think that to read the Bible honestly, we've got to we've got to have some humility to be able to say, I could have been wrong. There are a whole lot of factors of social acceptance and other things that were going on for me then as there are also now. Family and tradition and of all course, of, of course. Yeah. Um, so to to be humble and to say this is I, I could have been wrong for twenty years. Uh, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at this and, and I think that takes prayer. We've got to we've got to pray that will it's interesting because there's a humility but also a confidence in saying what I think it says is everybody I know who and respect thinks that, but I'm actually gonna start to think I got a question. I'd say I, I want to hold the possibility yeah. that I could be wrong. Yeah. And that I could have been wrong and that maybe maybe the people I respect could also mm. have been wrong. Mm. But I could be wrong as well. So I'm gonna I'm reading a book at the moment which I'm finding quite um, quite challenging and um, it's called Paul and Gender and um, the the author who is the, she's a, she's a scholar she's really quite amazing she's come up with a um, a new reading of 1 Corinthians 11 mm-hmm. that I'm finding really compelling it's completely different to anything I've heard before um, but it, it seems to work. Uh, it really seems to work. So, but I'm 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 exploring it. I'm thinking about it, and I'm holding it open the possibility that I, I I could have been wrong in the past. But I'm not convinced yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some time. I'm gonna sit with it. I'm gonna see what see what others think. I'm not a uh, I don't, I'm not a uh, I'm not an archaeologist. There's stuff about the ancient Greek and Roman world that I don't I don't know obviously I'm not a linguist she's putting a lot on um on on particular particular words and so I need to do some research on and and just just work it out but um I'm not going to jump onto that too quickly but I'm also not going to say well this is a this is a new idea and therefore dangerous Mm -hmm. it's I think it's what she's saying is actually possibly quite revolutionary if it's if it's true Mm. um so we'll wait and see. So just a quick personal question then. You work pretty much full time. You mm. are um, married to someone who's the minister of your church. You've yeah. got three teenagers. Where do you practically find the time mm. to read books that require quite a bit of your attention and effort? Um, I, I love audio. Yeah. Probably the book, as my number two son points out, is that a book requires your hands and your eyes which is just really annoying because you can't multitask. So a book is just like this, it's just like a device that requires that requires too much. But, um, which is sometimes good if you it want is to just sit good, at the end of the day. But when I'm driving, yeah. uh, when I'm driving, I can listen to an audio book and I can think at the, at the same time. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I guess you make, you make room, you make room for it. Mm. Like yeah. anything. Yeah. If it's interesting and important to you, yeah. you'll make you'll make yeah. time. Yeah. 
Oh, thanks, Simone. That's very interesting. Now, I've got a couple of other questions then to finish off with. I don't know how our time's going. Perfect. Um, what brings you joy as a Christian at the moment? Oh, most things bring me joy. I've um, moved into a new house this year and I can, I can sit on my back deck and I can look out at, at all the green. Yeah. I live in Cairns and Cairns is like um, everything grows in Cairns. Um, even when we're having a drought, still everything everything grows. There's green everywhere. The the yard is always on the point of, of winning the battle. But anyway, I can look out, sit out on the back deck and um, just look at the hills and the clouds and I find that brings me joy. Mm. I've never lived anywhere before where that had a, a beautiful view and I just find I'm really enjoying that. But I, I work as a teacher. I find joy in, I find joy in teaching. Um, I find a joy in joy in, in learning, joy in the Bible, joy in Jesus. Yeah, lovely. And what is particularly challenging to you as a Christian at the moment? I think I think challenging as a Christian and challenging as a person is there's a heap of stuff that I would like to do in life, and I'm not going to be able to do it all. And the challenge is to be content with that and to the challenge is to know how to make the right decisions um yeah do you want to tease that out of me because i think i know what you're talking about um okay i love working i i really i really love it um i'm doing a research project at school just because i love to do that kind of thing and then i think oh i, I just love to do this all the time i could i could be a researcher. You could be How an academic. Be, you could get could, a PhD. That, yeah, I do. So I think <laughs> yeah. well, that I could do that. And I think, oh, there's so much to do at church. Oh, I'd love to do. Yeah. Love to do more. I'd love to do this. And and I, I guess I, I play viola in a kind of degrade orchestra. It's not um, degrade. I'm sure it's not degrade. Oh, but no, no, going. It, it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I love doing that. I spend quite a lot of time um, with my music friends, mm. and I'd love to. I'd love to spend more time there. I'd love to spend more time writing. Uh, um, I'm sitting here with Tori. At, we're, we're in Townsville at the moment, yeah. um, which is a mere four hours south of Cairns, <laughs> and it's really pretty. And I feel like a traitor as a Cairns person saying that Townsville is really pretty. <laughs> I was going to ask you, actually. <laughs> Townsville or Cairns? Oh, <laughs> you're on the record. Cairns. Uh, it's Cairns. Yeah. Um, okay, Esplanade yeah. or Strand? Strand. <laughs> she can't the, the Strand is really lovely. It is. Um, but Cairns has a lovely Esplanade, but Cairns has other lovely things too. Townsville, not so much. This is this potentially is, true. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so... Um, so how do you decide, like, how do you kind of turn off the, wow, I could actually get a PhD and that would be interesting and stimulating and great, but I'm not going to do that because... Oh, I think just remembering that everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Mm. And um, there, what do I, I want to do most? Well, you know, I've always, I, I've enjoyed most things that I, most things that I do. So, I, yeah, I'm always fine with what I'm doing now, but then I think, well, maybe next year I should do something different. And there's, I, sometimes I just need to tell myself to pull my head in and um, just just walk the path that's before me. Mm. I've got kids in high school. 
I, I, yeah, I, I don't need to change other things at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so my last question then is, um, what keeps you going as a Christian at the moment? What are you finding um, encourages you, keeps you going in hard times? I think, I think the, the thought that in Jesus God likes me um, and that God is God is not God is not sitting up in heaven thinking bad thoughts about me. God in uh, in Jesus, um, I I can please God with how I live, and um, He's blessed me now and in challenges um, challenges He continues to bless me and. Um, yeah, I think I think that there is nothing that is going to come in life that um, that will take away those things. Though no doubt, no doubt, challenges are ahead. Simone, it's been fantastic talking with you here today. I just know that we're going to have another conversation for the Lydia Project. Well, I hope so. In 12 months, and it will be completely different. Totally, <laughs> completely interesting. Next week, it might. Thank be. you so much for your time today.